You're listening to The Weird Sisters, Harry Potter Reread, Episode 23. On today's show, we discuss Harry Potter and the Goblet of Fire, Chapters 10, 11, and 12. Hello and welcome to The Weird Sisters. I'm Danielle. And I'm Allison. We're back with the Goblet of Fire. And we pick up where we left off with escaping, basically, from... I keep wanting to say the Triwizard Tournament. That is not it. The Quidditch World Cup. Right. And poor Mr. Roberts is still there. Yeah, that's really bizarre. <laughs> like, couldn't they just send him away on holiday or something? I, well, I guess the advantage of being traumatized by magical people, if you're a muggle, is that you don't need counseling afterwards because they just wipe your memory. I think he's not okay, though. Like, it's not magically better. He might not remember, but he he's still going to feel a little funny. So maybe therapy would be, like, an extra bad choice, because then he might, like, uncover those <laughs> memories. <laughs> He'd be really confused. Maybe. Uh, yeah, he's still there as they take their port key back to the burrow. Mm-hmm. And Molly, this just struck me as funny it should, it's not funny but, but you know she's fussing over them she's uh-huh. been worried about them she heard what happened and i'm just like you be, i know you got a magical clock and everything and that's great but you really need some cell phones <laughs> what no no because this that is such a modern thought that you're having we survived for the majority of human existence, just fine without them. <laughs> like, we didn't need that information instantaneously. And it was I, great. I suppose. But, like, she's getting... She's worried because she's gotten the paper. So the information she's getting is from the paper. And <laughs> she doesn't know what's happened with well, her family. Well, if she just wouldn't have read the paper, she wouldn't have been worried. They would have come home, told her all about it. It would have been fine. <laughs> I suppose. I do like... I mean, there are other ways. Like, couldn't Arthur have just, like, apparated over there real quick and told her or sent an owl or whatever? It can't be that far for an owl to get there. They just... They thought they would get there early. It's not a big deal. Okay. I did like how she was particularly... She felt a bit guilty about Fred and George. Because she had yelled at them. Yeah. What if the last thing I ever said to you was you didn't get enough owls? Which they hold against her a little later. Oh, yeah, that's right. They do mock her a bit. It's pretty funny. And we also, we mentioned the paper, and that's how Molly found out. And Miss Rita Skeeter has been doing her reporting. Yes. And this is our first mention of her. And I I forgot how much she's around and how awful she is. Well, it, it is our first mention. We'll actually get the first mention of several other characters in this these chapters. Yeah, well, and it's, she's already portrayed poorly, basically, that she has an in, or has not has it out for the ministry. Which, to be fair, if you're a journalist, of course you have it out for the ministry, <laughs> because that's how you get the juicy stories. It's not, like, great writing to say, well, everything was very well managed. <laughs> okay, but she, as a reporter, has an obligation to report the facts. This is also not the tabloids. I don't know if wizards have tabloids, but this is not that. This is the Daily Prophet. And she needs 
Like, you can question things, but it still has to be factual. So, I guess she's kind of making things up? Like, that bodies were carried out of the woods, right? Well, okay, that's funny. I forgot about that. My only question, was that supposed to be a hint? Like, did she actually see... Oh, is it actually Barty Crouch Jr.'s body being carried out? Oh, I like that. We're going to go with yes. (laughs) She's not making that up. I mean, it's Rita Skeeter, though, so I think she is. But it could... I mean, or... Would he still be stunned, though? Can't he walk? Well, he's stupefied. Can't you unstupefy someone? Well, you could. I don't know. I don't overthink it because I like okay. I like that. Just We're going to go with it. that. Uh so obviously this is a bit of a big disaster for the ministry and the prophet in the prophet Arthur's actually quoted although not by name because he came out and said that it's all fine or something. I honestly I forget what it was, but it was very innocuous like Percy is like, oh, he sh- dad shouldn't have made a statement without clearance from his the head of his department or something like that. But what he said was completely innocuous okay. and appropriate. Like, it was a blah thing to say to the press. Well, it wasn't to the press either. <laughs> it was just people standing around. Yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, Percy already, we're seeing his direction quite clearly. Well, he just, he can't imagine not wanting to, like, be little... A pleaser errand boy. Yeah. Oh, okay. I did like the little detail when they're talking about the ministry that people are sending <laughs> howlers to the ministry. Surely that is an everyday occurrence. You, yeah. That's like, that's an extra vengeful form to like send in what you think. You know, not just letters to the editor. You can send them a howler. <laughs> I know. Like, people. You know, they always say, oh, write your politicians, blah, blah, blah. I would write my politicians if I could yell <laughs> at my politicians. That would be so much more I fun. I don't know if it's any more effective. Perhaps less so. No, it's more so because they can't throw it away. They have to hear. <laughs> but then they'll just be angry at you. I don't care. I'm angry <laughs> at them. All right. Well, you can work on that. Uh-huh. Okay, here's another first mention mm-hmm. of a character. Percy says, they're talking about, you know, people making claims for destroyed property. Yeah. And Percy says that Mundungus Fletcher is claiming he had a 12-room tent destroyed. Which, I mean, means nothing to us besides that there's this named wizard at this point. Yes. On the first reread, he means nothing at all. But... He'll become the resident... I don't know. what What is his role? Bum. <laughs> does, does every dark wizard fighting group need a bum? Official bum. Well, he also... I mean, he... He... You know, gets their noses a little dirty, too. Right? So it's not like all the good... Like, all the good fighters are these wholesome people. Like, you can fight the good fight. And still be a little bit of a crook. Yeah, I guess he's their uh, back alley contact. I forget, like, what actual helpful things he does. Does he actually do anything useful with his back alley contacts? Mm, I don't know about that. 
are just like pawns their silverware. <laughs> yeah. But it is, I mean, like when she planted that, was did she know who he was in the future? Or she just had a Oh, I have to think so. <laughs> I have to think so, that she had ideas for him. I mean, so it's been crazy at the ministry, right? Because everyone's working mm -hmm. overtime, howlers and whatnot. But then we kind of get the glimpse, too, of Molly sort of trying to keep the household together. And we, for the first time, get the Weasley family clock, which is one of my favorite Wizarding World artifacts, right? Is it the first time? Oh, we didn't get it in the first book? I don't... Why would it describe it I think this it... much? Yeah, the, I okay, I thought that we had already gotten the clock, and then I did think it was weird that she went in depth describing it. Because this is the l longest he stayed there. Well, whatever. The clock is lovely, whether you've seen it already, already or not. I don't Maybe we have. Well, they give a lovely description. All the hands for all the people. And I want to know, do you have to, like, install a new hand when someone is born? Or does it just appear if you have a baby? Oh, I think it appears. Mm, I like yes. that. You know, home, away, travel, m more, mortal peril. Yeah. Mortal peril is useful. Oh. Well, the clock becomes less useful than in the later books when they're just all yeah, in mortal peril. Which would be alarming <laughs> to see that. <laughs> yeah. You wake up every morning like, oh, guess today still sucks. <laughs> it's kind of like the doomsday clock. You yeah. Know, how many seconds till we all uh -huh. perish? Yeah. I want one of those. Yes, I have always remembered that particular artifact yes. strongly. Oh, and we get, you know, Harry finally tells uh, Ron and Hermione about his weird dream vision mm -hmm. thing. The first mm -hmm. chapter of the book, basically. And Scar, he has some, he mentions the prophecy, which he did tell yes. them about before, but we're bringing up the prophecy again, reminding the reader. Well, and because he's now paranoid, he's had, so we got the prophecy at the end of the last book, the Scar, Pain, Voldemort dream at the beginning, and now, quickly following, we've actually had our first sort of brush with death eaters we've seen the dark mark so he's kind of like thinking that dominoes are falling which they are yeah absolutely although as a first time reader i don't think i really expected voldemort to come back Ever? well i thought maybe at, like the very last book i thought it would be a constant like thwarting of his coming back until mm. the last book but you know obviously maybe i should have taken the <laughs> the prophecy hint <laughs> that, that would have gotten kind of old like if for seven, six books it was like and not quite <laughs> yeah 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 no I, I obviously I don't think she should go with my ideas oh but we also we did talk about that there wasn't going to be Diagon Alley this time because Molly went and got every, everyone's things I, that's very rude including dress robes well <laughs> Yeah, dress robes are okay, unless you're Ron. Yeah. They're, they're a little sad. Okay. And not to be all picky, picky, because it's not exactly helpful <laughs> in many situations. But I was thinking, okay, so Ron has these hideous lace ones that are mm -hmm. maroon and awful, right? Because they're used. Well, 
couldn't you just like start with a piece of fabric and like magic it up to make it <laughs> nice? Or maybe I mean, maybe Molly doesn't go for those sewing charms. I don't know. Yeah, we never we never really get that. I mean, obviously that's what the rope maker is doing originally. <laughs> I don't know. No, I feel like in the in the magical world, you pay more if it's not done by magic. I feel like it's really expensive because they sewed all the lace on by hand or something <laughs> ridiculous. I don't. <laughs> I don't know if anyone actually does that though. I think they're just re- the most uh, refined at the magical art of it. Maybe, but either way, poor Ron. I okay. My heart just hurt a little bit. Where he says, why is everything I own rubbish? Well, yes. And I felt like there, like, and then a couple, he makes a couple comments coming up, too, where I was like, oh, my gosh, is this Ron's angsty book? Have I not known this before? (laughs) Well, this is the Yule Ball. And he's going to not talk to Harry for several months. Because, because like Harry's oh, showing right, off, because you of the know, tournament. saving the day again. This is Ron's angsty book. He's like really coming to the feeling like, you know, I don't want to be a part of this family. Everything is poor. Everyone else gets the limelight. I'm gonna like, he's he's not happy. <laughs> yeah, and I mean, I'm that line. It's both like, okay, Ron, actually, you are part of a loving family and have everything you actually need, and your life is pretty okay, but at the same time, I appreciate, like, the real angst he is feeling. 14, and he has just been given these awful, like, old, gross robes. Like, no one is questioning that, that he's expected to wear in front of his peers. Like, and even if he had nice robes, is a 14-year-old boy expected to, like, be nice and dance in front of his peers would already be awful. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. He probably wouldn't like it no matter what. Oh, yeah. I for- I kind of forgot about the hideous dress robes. Mm. And maroon. Can oh, you just picture it on him? <laughs> With the red oh, Not hair, good. Yeah. Not good. Yeah. Oh, well. <laughs> Poor sad Ron. <laughs> Okay, I like that that I notion that this is his okay. angsty book. We'll have to watch for that. Um, but the next chapter is aboard the Hogwarts mm-hmm. Express. Well, and it starts like okay, so it's September first, and they're all going back to school. But Arthur gets stolen away by a very bizarre <laughs> encounter. One, Amos Diggory's head is in their fireplace. Yeah. Right. Again, Alarming. a new thing that we have not seen before. <laughs> well, there's a lot of them in this book. Like, the magical mm. world really gets expanded. I th- we get the ministry more fleshed out. We get port keys and, like, mm-hmm. a, more talk about apparition and heads in the fire and yeah, lots of fun. stuff like, like that. It. But yeah. there's some nonsense about flying dustpans and needing to sort it out. <laughs> oh, dustbins. Dustbins. Dust yes, because yes, of new jobs and whatnot. But is, is it ever really made clear what's going on? 
Okay. Well, Mad-Eye Moody... I don't think we ever yes. said it. It's about Mad-Eye, right? Okay, so... It's Mad-Eye's in some trouble because he's apparently... magicked some dustbins to fly around because he apparently mm-hmm. heard intruders. Now, what has actually happened, right, is that there yeah. are actually intruders... And these intruders were successful, and Mad-Eye Moody is now Marty Crouch Jr. Did he stage that, then? What do you mean, stage what? I guess who made the dustbins fly? (laughs) I I took that as the real Um, Mad-Eye. Because, like, attacking the intruder of Barty Crouch Jr. So there was a ruckus, then someone, like, the police were called or something. Yes. Oh, that's right. The policemen were and called. And so then he, the now fake Mad-Eye, sort of makes up the story. Yeah. Okay, but a very important point I would like to make. <laughs> Dustbins. What a ridiculous Why? word. Because, okay, so, so like they're trash yeah. bins, right? But what a stupid word! You don't put dust in your <laughs> in your trash bins. Why do they call them dust bins? <laughs> well, maybe you put up the rubbish. You can't call it a rubbish bin. Why not? I like the word rubbish. <laughs> rubbish is a great well, word. I I have no. Pro- I kind of like the term dust bin. It, 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 well, it also made me wonder, what are the rules for, like, what they change in the American versions and what they don't? Because no American says dustbin. Well, I guess they were trying to, like, it's still a British story, so you have to have, like, you know, there's some authenticity in that. If you take it all away, it wouldn't be British. I guess, but why not just leave it all in? Well, what even, I thought... Like, in the first printing, was anything changed? I don't know. But it, it just made me wonder about the, the the logic behind what they change and what they don't. Especially when we talked about the first chapter, where they just changed words that were not British words at all, but they just changed yes, it. Yes, that was alarming. <laughs> but anyway. <laughs> Dustbins is a silly <laughs> word. Um... Oh, but yeah, Arthur, so Arthur's called away to get Mad-Eye off, basically, because he's starting a new job. Yeah, though we don't know what that is yet, but the twins seem to think, like, that he's an old crazy person. Yes, he's an old R, and he's been known to be a bit paranoid in his retirement. Yeah. Which, okay, also, is this the first mention yes. of horror? Or, I can't yes. say that. So you or. say it. Or. <laughs> it is a hard one. Because Harry, I mean, Harry doesn't know what it is, so they explain it to him. And if Harry doesn't know, we probably don't know. Yeah. Yep. So, lots mm-hmm. and lots of new Well, things. I like the, I don't. I don't quite remember the train of thought, but they're kind of trying to defend him, like, 
you know, he's a friend of dad's. And they're like, well, dad collects plugs. He's a little crazy, too. And they're <laughs> like, well, he's an old, you know, old friend of Dumbledore. Dumbledore really trusts him. And they're like, Dumbledore's kind of babby. Like... <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. So all the crazies are very argue fine with that. for each other. <laughs> yes. Well, it turns out that Mad Eye had a reason to be paranoid. Well, yeah, though not... It, I mean, I guess kind of for the reason they said, you know, basically insinuating that he put a bunch of the bad guys away, a bunch of the Death Eaters, and yeah. that doesn't make him a too popular figure. I guess one of them did come back and get him. Yeah. Okay, and this whole book is just such a weird experience reading again when you know that that's not the real Mad-Eye. Oh. Mm-hmm. Because you, like, come to know this character and kind of mm. like him in his, like, cranky old man kind of way. And he helps Harry and blah, blah, blah. He helps Neville. That endears us to him. Yeah, though we find out later it was all a... That was just a trick. Yeah. But then, like, the character of Mad-Eye just continues as sort of the <laughs> same dude. And it's, it's kind of strange. to pretend to be like him. People know him. I know. I know. I'm not. I'm not saying it's bad writing or anything. I'm just saying, it's kind of weird no, when you think it about is. it. Though I was the weasel moment. I think of that as the one like getting away from him. Malfoy being the weasel. Oh, that's right. <laughs> or he bounces yes. him up and down the corridors. <laughs> oh, that's good. Almost as good <laughs> as a slap. Um. So yeah, since Arthur has to go rescue Mad Eye. Molly is left to take everyone to the Hogwarts Express. And I am Express. so confused. <laughs> because she orders muggle taxis. And, like, how, like how, how do other people get there? Not everyone can be taken a muggle taxi. How do I, I don't know how okay. other people get there. Because as as we've learned from Percy, the magic carpet is not licensed in Britain, so the family vehicle is out. Broomsticks. I guess you can't really land those at King's Cross. But really, then, like, because you don't think about people taking taxis. If you have Muggle parents, fine, I'll accept that. But if you're a wizarding family, how do you drop your children off? I have no idea. Seems like they should have prepared better. There should be like a standardized means. Because you all know they are not good at blending in. <laughs> Especially when you got all your school things. Mm-hmm. I just don't. Like, what do they do? Those, I, mean, I don't know. like cars, but they don't really own them, do they? I think probably some do, but it's probably not commonplace. Seriously, how do I get there? <laughs> I don't know. This is a mystery we cannot solve. this doesn't seem right. Well, they take a taxi. Several, because this is not a magical expanded taxi. Yeah. It's very strange. Anyway, they do take it. They get there. And then everyone's all... Still hinting at the fun to come. Bill's like, I'm, you might see, or Charlie says that, right? Wait, which one is which? 
Charlie. Charlie's the dragon one. Bill's Bill's oh, yeah. Gringotts one. Bill says he might stop by. Charlie says he'll see me. You won't want to come home for Christmas conveniently. <laughs> mm. Mm-hmm. It is convenient. Yep. So. And they've changed the rules, which we'll find out is still <laughs> less people die. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Hint, hint, hint. And then Malfoy arrives to drop more hints on the train. Jerk. He's all... T- well, yeah. But he's also <laughs> serving a plot purpose. <laughs> he's talking about Durmstrong and his the dark arts, and they don't allow mudbloods well, in. He was going to transfer. And, oh, yeah. I'm sure he just made that up. He's just like, oh, I was good to transfer to Durmstrong. <laughs> Is that how Malfoy talks? Yes, that's how he talks. <laughs> yeah. Do you think that's really true? Like, now? That they study the dark arts and don't allow quote-unquote mudbloods in. Well, didn't we read about this? Yeah, I think we did. I think maybe that that was, it used to be true, but is it true now? Well, I think it said that under, what's his name? Oh, yeah, the current guy is kind of a dark arts yeah, kind of guy. Yeah, so in their time frame, it still is. Which, that's interesting, because Victor Crumb is all up on Hermione. <laughs> so because she's she's not uh she's muggle born well who says that he identifies with that ideology i'm, I'm not saying he does i'm just saying i'm just saying it's a contrast <laughs> the, he obviously doesn't or hermione's like hot enough that he doesn't care i don't oh, he doesn't know it's not like there's a sign <laughs> i suppose that's true uh, but when you just think they're making out all the time, they haven't talked. She doesn't know. He doesn't know uh, that her parents are dentists. As she says, he's not much one for talking. Oh, so does that mean they were just yes, making out the whole time? Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> are you kidding me? No. Is that what that's supposed to imply? That he's not one much for talking because they don't need to be doing any talking. I think it implies that he's a little dense and not good with his words. And <laughs> dense. You think he's dense? Yes. I well, English isn't his first language. Why not? But he always talks with an accent. English is not his first language. Okay, and they're just making out. They're snogging. <laughs> I don't think that so. Is so. I think true. They... How did? What did you think? I mean, I thought that they had a couple of very chaste kisses. What? No. Hermione is just full on making out with Victor Crumb in the bushes, is what yes. you're telling me. Absolutely. No question about it. I, we will have to evaluate all hints about their relationship because I that, that do is not completely think so. the implication. You are living in a delusional land. <laughs> Okay, well, I really need to know how much action went on, so I'm going to pay close attention. Right? See, Hermione had her big, like, academic breakdown last year, and now she's having a little distraction. Okay. Okay. All right, on that note, (laughs) the next chapter is the Triwizarding Tournament. Yes. We also show up. And there's kind of a weird thing with Peeves. One, they described him. This is the yeah. most I think we've ever had him described as a, uh-huh. like a little man in an orange hat. 
Oh, no, a bell-covered orange hat. Bell-covered hat and an orange bow tie. <laughs> Sounds delightfully obnoxious. And a little man. Very strange. Mm-hmm. Does that mean a does that mean a dwarf or does that just mean short and skinny? Um, he's way smaller than that. He's smaller than a dwarf? Yes. What are you is he a leprechaun? <laughs> what are you talking about? He's a vulture, guys. And he flies around. He's not that big. I think of him as but as a poltergeist doesn't imply you're the size of a fairy. I think of him more like a fairy. <laughs> you think of him as a fairy? Yeah. No. <laughs> What do you mean? I. What? Okay, he could be a little bit bigger, but like bigger than a fairy, smaller than a dwarf. <laughs> I. Now, is this just his like personal size or all poltergeist leprechaun size? All of them are. I think you are just making this up. He flies. He's not a normal person size. There's not a normal person flying around. Why isn't there a normal? <laughs> there are ghosts or normal people well, flying ghosts. around. Okay. <laughs> so that's really the distinguishing feature between the poltergeist and the ghost. Yes. <laughs> is there? Okay. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to take that as canon, but I like that. That's what I you have think. Always thought this. Why you're trying to change it? <laughs> I. T- never occurred to me. You just thought he was a giant person? Yes. I thought he was a normal <laughs> person who was a big obnoxious and jerk. And that flew around. But and that flew around. Weird. <laughs> oh, that's too weird. Yes. Yes, he has to be okay. like, more like well, nymph. What about nymph size? I feel like nymphs are ladies. <laughs> oh. <laughs> We're having some really intelligent dialogue. Yes. Yes. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, we get the sorting. Yeah. So we lost on on Diagonal, but we get the sorting again. That's nice. Yeah. And I liked how the text itself acknowledges that we haven't (laughs) seen the sorting since Harry's first year. Well, yes. And that we... So then we now... Only now do we know... That the song is different every year. That's true. Because the song wasn't particularly yeah, notable I thought it was going to be darker, but I guess not yet. Yeah, that's, I don't know, maybe book six probably when uh, the song or the hat yeah. warns everyone. Because he has all year to sit around and think of a new song. <laughs> yeah. Oh. We meet Dennis Creevy, oh Colin Creevy's little brother. He fell in the lake. Now, I surely think, okay, Colin is supposed to be from a magical, or from a mm-hmm. muggle family, right? But his brother is magical, too. I think that his mom is, like, shagging <gasps> some dude who's just not telling, <laughs> just just not saying that he's a wow. wizard. Oh, you were making some big assumptions there. What if she's a squib? Oh, what if she's a squib? And she didn't tell them that about magic? Because they are very, like... You know, well, maybe it just runs strongly through her. I like that she's a squib. We have no notion that she is, but I like that, okay, that she's a squib. It's much better than the adulterous part. <laughs> I didn't say it was adulterous. I just 
said he's he's keeps that part that part that part is not part of their liaisons. So you've now made it some kind of split home, some lying about his true identity of no, the father. They're no, they're just happy lovers. That's what I'm saying. I don't know where I got this. Is a whole different, I'm just making this up right here, right now. I don't. But I like it. Okay, I'm sorry. I do like I Dennis Creedy though. Why? No. I do you not like Colin. He's too overly eager. It's obnoxious. And Dennis is even oh, worse. He's excited he fell in the lake. You should not be excited. It's adorable. He's te- like 11, okay? Right. He, he's he should adorable. be mortified. No. Teenagers are always mortified. We don't need any more of that. Yes, Ron's doing all that for us. Yeah. Yeah, and we're obviously becoming real teenagers because Harry is swooning over Cho across. He wants. He has an inexplicable urge to go join the Ravenclaw table. <laughs> I, I love that it's still portrayed as like he's very unaware, just like I am compelled. <laughs> I shall follow her. <laughs> like like he yeah. was about to jump yes. out of the box for the Velas. <laughs> so now, do you remember? Did you expect Harry and Cho to like become a thing? Wait, as you're reading this book? Uh, I don't know about that. Maybe just to kind of, like, pine for her. Yeah. I, yeah. My feelings on the whole show thing are incredibly <laughs> neutral. I don't love it. I don't I hate it. It's good. It's fine. To have something. Yeah, to have Harry have some other relationship. It's not all incestuous <laughs> up in, like, our main right. characters. Okay, I did notice, though, that before the feast, Dumbledore just stands up and says, tuck in, instead of that really (laughs) weird speech that he gives at the first book about Mm -hmm. music and magic and all. It was was. really strange. I mean, he says a little bit more later, but it's pretty normal. Yes. Yes. It's about, you know, the Forbidden Forest and such. There's no weird crying. Remember, cry a little. <laughs> okay. Though <laughs> so this is when we also learn, to Hermione's horror, that there are house elves at Hogwarts. I know. Right, it's like Over one of the hundred. largest single places for house elves. They make all the food. They come out at night and stoke all the fires. They like make your bed. It's pretty nice. Now I like this. Because it's like a practical, it it takes care of all the practicalities yeah, which of the surprisingly, castle. Surprisingly, I don't think I thought about before. I know we have been so nitpicky, and we're not like, who's scrubbing the floors? Miss Filch can't do I it all. I think I did question why he had to scrub the floors at one point. <laughs> oh, well, just because no one likes him, basically. Yeah, which really kind of makes his job a little, like, what does he really do if their house sounds? That's <laughs> true. He yells at people. Okay, yeah. the house elves or he wouldn't yell at people during the day because they can't come out. No, which I guess, but I love her. So Hermione's appalled, and she's like, "But surely they're paid, and they get holidays and and pensions." The only fourteen-year-old girl on the planet 
Who would be worried about anybody's pension? Is Hermione Granger? Yeah, she could worry about mine too if while she's at it. Okay. Oh. And then so she decides she's oh, she's taking on a hunger strike. Yeah. Though, as everyone assures her, like, this is how they like it. They don't want any of that nonsense. It's fine. Yeah. The whole house elf, this is how they like it thing. It's a bit, I don't know. Because on the one hand, you're like, and I think the text suggests that this is how they like it is a terrible defense, mm-hmm. right? Well, it's but on the, but very on the, racist. <laughs> yes, it's a typical racist defense, which the book seems to acknowledge. And Hermione, like, you know, scolds people for using. And we see, you know, that the Dobby, you know, is the exception. But Dobby is like the exception that proves the rule. Because the problem is, they actually do seem to like it. Uh, yeah... yeah. Are you saying they're like there were beings created for that role? Because again, all of these things sound very. Well, I'm I'm not arguing. I'm not arguing against Hermione. I would be arguing that I'm a bit uncomfortable with that aspect in the book. Like I feel like the book says one thing, and then also, but shows another sometimes when it comes yeah. to the house. Well, elves. and what's isn't there a resolution ultimately that Dumbledore kind of offers to pay them, but some take it and some don't? Yeah, I believe that's correct. I mean, and Dobby ends up working for them and getting paid. But but on the whole, the house elves are very complicit in their own servitude. And Dobby is the only vo- like opposing voice mm-hmm. that we hear. Well, and we just don't, like, we don't get enough of their like races history to know if like has this just been ingrained are they you know is it true but what was that based on uh yeah i i agree though it is a little misleading yeah although spew is like one of my favorite subplots in all of these books although i might She's just, she, I mean, her energy is great. She doesn't always go about it in the best way. No, but at least she cares. Yeah, but it's, but then that's the thing too, is like, she's, is she forcing her understanding of the world onto them? Well, if she is, you can't say she's very successful, so it's no harm, no foul. Right? It's like... You know, you can't interfere with other other cultures' ways, even if we don't agree with them. Wait, what yeah, is this? The Star prime Trek? directive. This is the obviously. prime directive. <laughs> okay, I think like magical people just do with the opposite of what the prime directive says. They interfere <laughs> as much as they like. Well. Well, we'll see how long Hermione's hunger strike lasts, because it seems a rather drastic solution. I'm always worried that they don't have snacks. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's true. Children like snacks. They get to eat at three scheduled times. I don't think they have snacks. 
But to be fair, it seems like they can stuff their faces every Still, time. Still, doesn't mean you don't want a snack later. <laughs> Surely they're filling their pockets. And Fred and George get snacks because they know about the house elves and they go yeah, visit but them. we're made to believe that's an exception. It's true. Well, I don't know. Okay. I'm sorry. No snacks. I would not do well. <laughs> oh. Uh, so then Mr. Mad-Eye Moody dramatically interrupts Dumbledore. Well, and everyone is a bit aghast at him. Well, he's got, like, a fake eye and a peg leg. I'd be a bit aghast. And a face that we're made to believe just no longer looks like a face. Gnarled. <laughs> yes. He's an ugly, ugly man. Yeah. I kind of imagine him with a hook hand, even though he doesn't have a hook hand. <laughs> he's not Captain Hook. No, but he if he had a hook hand, he could be one. He's basically a pirate, is what I'm he saying. He can't have one, because he needs to hold his wand. He's got a wand. Okay. <laughs> yeah, so he just strolls in all gruff, and let us notice the detail that he's drinking from yes. his hip flask. Which is his yes. polyjuice potion. But that's all we get from him right now. And then we finally get the reveal that there's going to be no Quidditch oh, gas so because they have the Triwizard Tournament. Okay, but first let's talk about no Quidditch. Do you think this is like a real practical consideration that JK wrote in? Or was she like, I just can't write that many action sequences and or I can't have Harry being the best at both Quidditch and the Triwizard Tournament at the same time? <laughs> In both their practical minds and the book. There can't be that much going on. I get there's there's just too much other excitement. We also know that Hagrid is growing those giant hedges on the Quidditch field for the final. Mm. Oh, good right. point. Um, yes. I don't, like it would seem not that I mean, there are only three tasks. Of course, there are only ever four. Wait, is that right? How many how many Quidditch matches are there? I get they only play three each, right? Because they only play each other once, I think. Yeah. Yeah, but I think I mean, what if the book is already long? There's already a lot of things going on. Like I'm sad, initially, but I'm okay with it ultimately. Well, and obviously she's gotten us yeah. the Quidditch already because we had the tournament. Um, but yeah, we learned that, oh, the tournament's been over 700 years old, but it hasn't been held for over a century because of all the people who died. <laughs> it's very alarming. But otherwise, it's this great event of magical cooperation. <laughs> yes. Otherwise, it's a mm -hmm. fantastic time. Oh, uh, they've they've quote worked hard to ensure no champion is in mortal danger. Yeah, which is the biggest thing they've done is you have to be of age to participate. Yes, so your parents can't sue us. I don't know if they do that. <laughs> I don't know either. Yeah, and the so you have to put your name forward, and the selection will be on Halloween. Halloween. 
by an impartial judge. Yeah. Yeah. And of course, Fred and George are outraged. Everyone's outraged that they won't be able to put their names forward. Well, yeah. And we don't know any people old enough to do it. That's true. <laughs> you really, if you were a smart reader, you would know something had to happen because we don't know well, anyone I, 17 to follow. I would have never thought that. It was just exciting. There's gonna, these other two schools are coming to stay. I don't think they ever study the whole year, but that's fine. They just come, they hang out oh, all no. year, they bring their own people. And they snog <laughs> yeah. all of the Hogwarts girls. Right, it's a great cooperation. You got to build bridges as young people. Yes. Although, you know, Fred, you know, does the foreshadowing bit for us about what's going to happen. He says, sounds to me like once this judge who knows who wants to enter, he'll choose the best from each school Never mind how old they are. Yeah, which is not true for him, but is sort of true for Harry. Yes. So, even though they have no idea <laughs> that this judge is actually a cup, mm-hmm. they've basically figured it out. And again, we end the chapter on Harry imagining Cho seeing him win the cup. Is that really how it ends? <laughs> Oh, yeah. Ah, I think yeah, so. He's... That's the last thing I wrote down, at least. I think he's, like, date, falling yeah. asleep, oh, dreaming he otherwise or doesn't seem super enthusiastic about it. Like, oh, that's cool, but maybe I'm imposing this. But almost a sense of relief, too, that, like, he doesn't have to worry about being the hero, but then he will be. But then, again, uh. we get a little bit of Ron being angsty, like, you know, friend George is still going to try and get in. Maybe he will, too. And you get a thousand galleons if you win, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's not particularly... He's not as put out about the age requirement as the Weasleys are. Um, but yeah, th- those were our chapters. We're getting into it now. We know a lot more things mm-hmm. about both the cup and the wizarding world. Next time we're going to do... What is this? Chapters 13, 14, and 15, which are Mad-Eye Moody, mm-hmm. The Unforgivable Curses, well, there'll be even more things we're learning, and Bobatons and Durmstrong. Oh. They arrive. Yes. D- dramatically, of course. But, okay, before we go, we'll just do our admin, like, on the podcast where people can hear it. <laughs> So today is the yes. day that the cursed child comes out. Although my copy has not arrived because it's Sunday, so hear, screw well, you, Amazon. Tomorrow. Why didn't you deliver? No. Okay, yours hasn't come yet either. So do we want to do like discuss this sort of in tandem? Since Pertinent. it's obviously very, yeah. uh, I don't know. I was wondering that too. Like, do I want to read it? Do I need to wait? Can I really wait? No, we can't wait that. No, we got, we're gonna have to read it. Or do we just read it and then come back and reread? It? I think well you can disagree with me but i think we might as well do it these episodes are not like horrifically long so i don't know what we would read since we don't have the book in front of us right now i hear it's like, pretty section? short yeah it's probably true um but we could do a little a little talk couldn't we a few episodes as we read through it or additionally or in no i mean at the like at the end of our regular episodes incorporate 
All right. Sure. Why not? But but am I sure, am why? I really gonna be able to not read it all at once? Probably not. Okay. But just just pretend. Just pretend I didn't just, read it all. Just write down the notes for that part so you don't spoil the next part. Oh, okay. Although probably anyone listening who's going to read it will have read the whole thing anyway. So spoiling is not such a big deal. Well, yeah. We but then we're gonna be talking about it. And we won't know the end. I don't know. Well, we'll see when it actually gets here, what it looks like. So we'll talk about some portion of it in some way. <laughs> when we figure it out, we'll tweet it or something about what we'll do on the next episode. Um, but yeah, exciting stuff. Yes. I know I was like, I kept looking at the front of the, like checking the doorstep to see if they had come this morning until I realized that it was Sunday and it probably wasn't coming. Yeah. So sad. But anyway, so tune in next week for continuing of the Goblet of Fire and some sort of discussion of the cursed <laughs> child. And we'll see you then. Bye. Bye. Oh, wait, 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 wait. I, I forgot. Oh. <laughs> I forgot to tell you where we, you could find yeah. us on Twitter when we eventually tell you what we're going to read. So you can follow us at, at, at Weird Sisters Pod on Twitter. Uh, and, oh, yeah, rate and review us on iTunes because that's the kind of thing you say at the end of a podcast. So <laughs> I said it. <laughs> okay okay see you next time bye